Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Welcome to The Storytellers. I'm Grace Salmon, and it is a pleasure to welcome Zibby Owens to The Storyteller Microphone. Zibby is a woman that makes time for people to make great connections to books and to live their best lives by connecting to books and to each other. She's a force in the literary world, and she is an award-winning author, podcaster, and she's been designated New York City's most powerful book influencer. She's a Harvard Business School graduate, and the mother of four, and when she saw an opportunity to turn the literary world and publishing world on end, she did just that by creating Zibby Owens Media. It has two divisions, one which hosts her podcast and a number of books called Moms Don't Have Time Too, and another which features wonderful books. She's a regular columnist with Katie Couric on Good Morning America, and we're going to learn all about that in our time as we welcome Zibby to the Storyteller Microphone. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me, Grace. It's an honor. I want to jump right in with shining the spotlight on you and your work. You are amazing at shining the spotlight on others and raising other people's literary work so that they get noticed. But I want to start right away with the idea that I got to read the beginning of your upcoming memoir being released in July called Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature. I was right there with the little Zibby Owens who was crying over poor Charlotte's Web and the ending of that book. But what made me cry, Zibby, was you were this small girl and you had this amazing connection to books and the power that it has for people. How did you find that that young? Well, it's true. I've always been drawn to books. I don't know if it's because of my parents' influence. They are huge book lovers, both of them. My mother read to me from a young age, always took me to the library. Um, So books were just a huge part of our family life. And once I got the bug, it, I just, this has been my thing. I love to read. I just love, it doesn't get old. And people are like, don't you get sick of reading all these books? And I'm like, no, you know, like, not at all. So tell me about the memoir because the opening is so profound. Why this memoir and why that title? Why this memoir? I have been writing and rewriting parts of this memoir for about 20 years now, ever <laughs> since, um, Well, when 9-11 happened, I was at Harvard Business School, and I had just left my college roommate, uh, who I had lived with for all of college and then after college, and she ended up dying on 9-11. And uh, I had been at school for only two weeks and had just left her, and it changed my life in a million ways. And one way that I learned to process everything, paired with my love of reading, has been a love of writing from a very young age, is to write about it. And I started writing for the school paper right away. And after business school, I realized even though I had been interested in marketing and advertising and all this stuff, I just couldn't dedicate my life to selling Pepperidge Farm cookies and working on ad campaigns, even though it was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, That I had to, if she was died, if she died at her desk, which I believe she did, then at my desk, I had to be bringing my entire self to whatever I was doing. So I decided to take a year off and write a book. And that was parts of that story 
are now in this book. And that was really the impetus for it is wanting to tell the story of how I got through that time. And I ended up losing a lot of other people in tragic ways throughout my time in business school and unfortunately throughout the rest of my life. So it's sort of a reckoning with the ways that I've lost myself along the way and found my voice again and and how books have been my salvation all the way through and how different books have hit me at different times and really and really been the through line of, of what's helped. Thank you for sharing that backstory, which I knew a little bit of. And I love that the loss on 9-11, I too lost a friend in the towers. Sorry. And, and, and for you as well. But I love that we remember them and the life-changing thing that happened for all of us that day. So I'm, I'm looking forward to your July re, uh, release of Bookends. Switching a little bit to another release that I just ordered this morning. Thank for- you for doing that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I can't wait. Tell us about Princess Charming, because I think my granddaughter is all that in a bag of chips, but I, are, <laughs> I already relate to Princess Charming, being so lost and still trying to find my way. Tell us. <laughs> um, yes, I'm so excited for Princess Charming. It's about a girl who just can't seem to find her thing, and she keeps trying all these different activities activities like hip hop and baking and everything. And just nothing is really clicking. Nothing's coming that easily. And she realizes over the course of the book that really what her thing is, is that she never gives up. She just keeps trying. And that ends up um, helping her sort of solve the problem of the day in the, in the book. And then at the end, there's, there's a fun twist. So it was a joy to write and collaborate with my editor, Margaret Anastas, who had started Flamingo, a division of Penguin Random House. And uh, the illustrator is Holly Haddam, who is fabulous, and it's just so much fun, and I can't wait to bring it into the world. So it debuts April 19th, I think. It does. Which is, I think, when our episode will air very close to that. And the illustrations are fabulous. And I love that you describe her as trying all sorts of things, and she's very subpar. (laughs) I mean, you can't be good at everything. Not every kid is good at everything. Um... I feel like there's all this pressure from a very young age, right? If they're not on travel soccer by the time they're in first grade, well, you know what? Like my daughter was not that good at soccer. <laughs> like that's okay. So it's sort of loosely based on one of my kids and um, who is by the way, thrilled that now this book is coming into the world. So uh, I think it's important. I think there's, there's too much pressure on specializing really early and knowing exactly what you want to do and to be great at something. And it's, it's just, that's not what, that's not the case for many kids. Was it important to have a female character for you? Well, the way this book came about was crazy. And I had tried to write other children's books, not tried, tried. I had written other children's books, which had not sold over the years, but a friend an author who was on the podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, which is my literary, daily literary podcast, uh, she, her name's Karen Duquesse and she's good friends with my editor. And she said, Margaret is starting this publishing imprint. Would you ever be interested in writing a book with her? And I was like, yes. <laughs> so we had lunch and she showed me a picture of a character and she said, her name is Princess Charming. What would you do with her? What would the book be about? Do you want to take a stab at it? And I was like, sure, I'll take a stab at it. And then we kept eating. And about two minutes later, I'm like, okay, here's what I would do. And she loved it. it. (laughs) So that's how it came to be. So that's really uh, not something I would have anticipated. Normally we have the story, 
then we begin to imagine what the character might look like. The title comes or goes. So you were presented with an image, almost like a writing prompt. Yes, which I love, by the way. <laughs> the more specific, the better. Like, give me an assignment and I can do it. But <laughs> um, yeah, but meanwhile, the Princess Charming, who is now coming out into the world, looks nothing like that Princess Charming. The whole image is not included, uh, but it did spark the idea. And there's another book after this one? Yes, the there is. I don't know if I can say the next title. I'll have to ask. But yes, it's another Princess Charming overcoming something story. That's fabulous. And I love the way that that came about. And I, I'm, I'm the same way, by the way, in my own writing. If you tell me to go write 1,400 words on anything, I can go do that. Yep. But if you, if you say go write 1,400 words in your next novel, that's yeah, much harder for me. Right? Totally. Like talk about a candle that's had an impact on your life. Great. Yes. Okay. I could, I could write a whole thing about a candle, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Now you're a mother of four. Uh, how much does having four active children influence your writing and also your business structure? It influences everything. I mean, <laughs> the kids are, that's like my full-time, full-time job. That's like what I live and breathe. Um, in terms of like day to day, I plan my whole workday around the kids, getting them to school, picking them up from school, activities when they're most available, I want to be around. Um, so yeah, they're the, they're the main through line in terms of like the content what I love is that I can bring them into everything. I can talk about what I'm doing that day and show them. And so they understand and it's made them really excited about books. And sometimes they race home from school and say, Oh my gosh, you have to interview this author. And I'm like, great. Um, the best actually was my, <laughs> I was talking to my son who's seven last night and, um, and I was saying like, well, if I were going to write a, a novel, like what's a good idea for a novel? And he was like, and I was like, what if you, what if I wrote something about like, maybe there's a woman, but her husband's not being very nice to her. And he goes, that was already done in the, <laughs> the seven lives of Evelyn Hugo. And I was like, oh my gosh, who are you? So it was pretty awesome. That's wonderful. I think that it, when we cultivate a love of reading um, in our children, that's just a gift for a lifetime. I know we're both friends with Mary Helen Sheriff and she does a show called growing up bookish on Instagram. And I love that theme of um, growing up bookish. It's so important. It is. And I follow you on social media and I just so enjoy that window into being a young, I'll use the word young mom again, because that idea of giving the kids a bath, but then running out and also uh, doing a quick social media prompt is really wonderful. Yes. Well, that's actually to our point of like an assignment. That's sort of how I feel about Instagram. I find the picture and then I have to write about the picture. So that's what makes it really fun for me. Right? Like my daughter yesterday telling me I looked like I was in Scooby-Doo and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> what can I write that's clever about that? You know, so then I just go write about it. Oh, let's go back a little bit to your business model because I've started multiple companies You've started companies, but you have found a way to really turn the publishing world on edge. You have the Zibby Awards. You have book champions. I'd love for our listeners to learn more about your business model. Sure. Well, Zibby Books really came about as a very author-centric enterprise because I had interviewed 
a thousand authors or 900, I think when I started it. And I had have been an author myself, which is exciting. So at that point I'd been interacting with three different publishers and I had my own little experience and all these common complaints kept coming up over and over again. And it seemed through the pandemic that it was very hard for some of the bigger places to pivot as quickly or to adapt. And I love being able to shift gears, not like willy nilly, like with strategy behind it, but be able to, to shift when the time is right. And, and all of a sudden I was like, not all of a sudden, but I kept thinking like, who's somebody has to fix this. Somebody has to fix some of these problems. And then I was like, well, could that person be me? I mean, so I kind of, mold that over for a while. My husband's been telling me to start a publishing company for years. I'm like, oh no, I could never do that. How I don't know anything about that. Um, and then it just kept building and building. I almost did it a year prior to when I did start it as an imprint under somebody else's house. But then I thought, no, I still can't affect the kind of change I want to do. I have to do it. I have to like build my own house. Literally. It's like, I have to build it from the foundation up. So I decided to do it. And I called Lee Newman, who I had worked with on this fellowship that I had been running for Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, where we took four women memoirist fellows. Um, and she had been one of the editors for them. And I was like, Lee, what do you think? Do you want to do it? And she had just taken a new job. And she had I had approached her earlier, and it was the middle of the pandemic. And she's like, no, I can't do this now. Um, but she said yes. And so we started immediately. And we have a lot of different things we're trying to do, but the first is that authors and readers are the most important. So in fact, on our tiny team, four of the people are authors themselves. And that's very central to what we do. Communication. We have um, a profit sharing model in place so that all authors published within a given year and the employees in that year share the proceeds equally. So if somebody has a smash hit and it gets optioned to be a movie and it's a huge bestseller, I want everybody to be not only rooting for that person, but to having a piece of that success for themselves because we're all really a team. And I really do believe it. Um, there's an author that we had a competitive sort of bidding situation over and she came on to our team call and said, you know, I have to tell you, I picked your house because I could just feel the love. And I loved that because it's true. We passionately fall in love with these books and authors and do everything. So yes, we also have book champions, uh, best-selling authors we're pairing with each book. We're doing brand partnerships. We are, um, we have brand amb- uh, book ambassadors. We have a team of 600 women all over the country and, uh, they're going to be working with their local indies to help events and boost the message and spread the word. Um, and we're we're being really open with our authors. Our authors have like weekly, you know, manuscript and margarita parties. Like, so it's just much more of a of a family atmosphere. And I think everybody lifting each other up is so important when it comes to selling books and making an impact. You, you need all the help you can get. So. It really is such a unique model. And with the Zibby Awards, you highlight some different things, like the best spine. Yeah. The, uh, did this come to you from Harvard Business School, or is this just deep in your soul? No. It just all these things sound fun to me. So that came about because I was watching, I don't know, the Golden Globes or some award show. I love award shows. And I was watching it on TV. I was standing – I was like – I had just walked in, and I was standing watching the show, and my husband was sitting on the couch. And I was like, they should have an award show like this for books, but not like the National Book Awards, which are so serious, which I do also love. And I like watch on the couch with popcorn, like a total nerd that I am. <laughs> um, 
but like something funny. I was like, nobody, like I'm always on the podcast being like, you had the best opening sentence ever. Or like, what a fabulous dedication or your acknowledgements were amazing. And I was like, why can't there be an award show for funny things like that? And like the best publicist and the best structure, like look how clever the structure is or something. So, um, best cover, you know, all these fun things. So I did it and it was a huge success last year. I had a huge party at the center for fiction and an award ceremony and all these people flew in. It was amazing. Um, so I just opened up nominations for this year, but I haven't done a very good job of, of publicizing it. So I'm going to get on that soon, but they're just, there's so many things. Well, I, I love the way you've created that fellowship sisterhood among all of the readers and the writers. I think that is fabulous. And uh, the Zippy Awards, yeah, get on that because I loved following those last year. So make sure they happen, as I'm sure you will this year. They will, they will happen. They will happen. One of the things I'm really curious about is what it means by being New York City's most powerful book influencer. Oh, I hope that's still true. Um, that was written in 2019. And, um, at that time I had started my podcast. I was doing salon events and I was hosting, uh, book fairs in my apartment twice a year where I would sell all the books I had on the podcast the previous six months. And I would invite all those authors to come and I'd open up my doors to basically everyone I knew in New York and I've lived here my whole life. So that's a lot of people Mm -hmm. and four kids and schools and da, 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 da. So I, I don't know. That's how it happened. And uh, again, through somebody on the podcast, one author uh, recommended that her friend who was a feature writer for Vulture do a piece on me. And I was like, sure, sounds great. Thank you. Uh, And the author came with me for a couple days and sort of followed me around and then wrote this whole piece about me. And I couldn't believe it. An author friend actually texted me as I was walking home from dropping my one of my kids at school. And she was like, oh my God, did you see this article? And I was on like 77th and Lex or something. And I stopped and I was reading it on my phone. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this article. So um, yeah, it's all these things. It's really nice. It's like, I'm doing what I love. I'm putting it just out into the world. Something that I find fun and rewarding and important. And then people are doing all these nice things back. And that's not the point of it. It's just like, it's just so nice that that's also happening. So yeah, it's been very rewarding on so many levels. I've met amazing people and um, lots of fun things keep happening. Well, I just thank you for all the work that you're doing because it brings such joy, credibility, and a whole new way for people to think about how to get published. What, what one piece maybe of advice would you say to an author who really wants to bring their book to that next level? And I know there's not one piece, but do you have a jewel that you really love to share with authors? Um, you know, I, I really love strong opening sentences. Okay. That's, that's one of my favorite strong opening sentences of each chapter and the beginning. The beginning is really important. I would, I would spend a lot of time on the beginning. Um, it makes it, it just makes a big difference. Don't be like, well, it gets really good around page 40. You know what? I don't have time for that. (laughs) And most readers won't have the patience for that. So I would say, Go start with a bang. Start put your best foot forward. You know, put put your hair, get your hair and makeup done before you walk in. That is a great tip. So I like to end this podcast by usually asking: Is there something quirky about you? Something different that people might be interested in that they might not find on social media? Do you have a quirky thing? A quirky thing. I mean, I 
overeat all the time with too many sweets. I mean, I like to eat late at night. I, you know, um, I don't know if it's quirky. It's just not particularly great. Um, I organize my books by color. I can, I can I, see in the background. It's fabulous. It's a little quirky. I, um, I, I can remember things by how they look. Um, I'm a very visual person. Um, quirky. Those are um, I don't know. How are those? I think those are great. And I love that we can see your color-coded books in the background. It's absolutely (laughs) fabulous. Zibby, I want to thank you. Your podcast is amazing. Uh, Moms Don't Have Time, too. And you certainly took time to be with us on the Storyteller's Microphone today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It was fun. This is a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Take care, everybody. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.